So we're going to continue in our series in Matthew. We're looking at this account of Jesus and his disciples from Matthew 8. At the end of the story, his disciples say to one another, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? It's a really good question for us to think about. Please pray with me as we open God's word together. Heavenly Father, will you use this time to bring us closer to you? Will you use this time to show us more of Jesus? Will you use this time to grow our faith, to be the people that you have made us to be? In Christ's name, amen. If you're a theology dork like me, this passage is a really good illustration of what is often called the two natures of Jesus, that he was both fully God and fully man at the same time. We can see the fully human part because once he got into the boat, he slept. That's something that that people do. And so that's something that Jesus did. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got thirsty. Jesus got tired. And so he slept. And he is also fully God as he demonstrates to his disciples. And so two natures, completely human, completely divine, both on display, and both are being kind of shown rather than talked about. But the real takeaway from this narrative in the Gospel of Matthew, the real takeaway is not a proof text of a theological concept. The real takeaway is the powerful display of kindness and grace that Jesus shows to his followers. So this scene happens immediately after the events of last week. Last week, Jesus had wrapped up the Sermon on the Mount, had been preaching and healing, and then he had some pretty harsh-sounding words for two disciples who wanted to follow him. And then Jesus gets on the boat, and his disciples do follow him onto the boat. Jesus goes to sleep, because that's something that people do when they're tired. And as they're out on the sea, a storm comes up, a raging storm, not just a little one. The the word that's used is actually the same word as earthquake. But guess who's not worried? Jesus. Because Jesus is a human, and Jesus is also God. God. Scripture tells us that everything was made through him and for him. And so even though Jesus was tired and he slept because he is a person, he stayed asleep because he wasn't worried because he's also God. But his disciples, on the other hand, were terrified. Some of them would have been fishermen from this very area, probably on this very sea. And so they knew that the storms on the Sea of Galilee can come up out of nowhere and swamp a boat in an instant. So you can understand why they were scared. But that's what following Jesus often is. Last week we talked about the cost of discipleship. The cost of following Jesus. Here we see it played out. Jesus gets on a boat. His disciples follow him. And they go right into a storm. Following Jesus does not guarantee safe haven. It often leads us right into danger if we are truly following him. As Peter Lightheart says. But... Jesus is there with us as he, is there with, as he was there with his disciples. And obviously, they knew that he was there, but they didn't know what having him there meant. They didn't realize that just because Jesus was with them, they literally had nothing to fear from this storm. But they didn't know that. And so they go to him in verse 25. They go to him and they cry out, Lord, save us. We are dying. They think they're about to go down with the ship. And Jesus says, Why are you afraid, little faiths? The 
O-U of little faith is actually just one word. It's a compound word, little and faith. And so that's what Jesus is calling them. Why are you afraid, little faiths? And although it sounds dismissive or even derisive or maybe even confrontational, I think that how Jesus is talking to them here is more of a, a definition than an insult. It might be hard for them to hear, but Jesus has identified them as little faiths. What does that mean? So far in Matthew, the disciples have been called by Jesus, and they've been told to follow Jesus. They've heard him teaching with great authority, basically proclaiming that his instruction is on the level of the law that God gave to Moses back in the Old Testament. They've seen Jesus performing miracles and healing the sick and the crippled and the diseased. But we don't have any reason to believe that at this point they knew that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was literally God himself. So they had some faith that this man that they had been following was, was set apart, was special. But they didn't yet know the whole story. Their faith was incomplete. It was little. And because they didn't know the whole story, Jesus shows compassion to them. He takes pity on them. If you read the story closely, I think we can see the compassion and the grace that Jesus showed his disciples is evident. In verse 26, he says to them, Why are you afraid, little faiths? Then he rose, and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. They could have had more faith. Maybe at that point they should have had more faith. They should have known that because they were with Jesus, everything was going to be okay. They could have ridden out the storm knowing that even though they were scared, they could be confident. Not in their own abilities or in the sturdiness of their boat. But they could have said to one another, hey, we're with him. We're good. I know we're terrified, but we're with him. But they just weren't there yet. And yet, it's not like they had no faith, right? They were, they were little faiths because they came to Jesus for help, which takes some amount of faith. They called him Lord, which takes some amount of belief. Maybe they had seen enough of Jesus' healing and curing people that they thought, this guy's the best hope we've got. So they wake Jesus and they cry out, Lord, save us. And Jesus doesn't yell at them. Jesus doesn't tell them to suck it up and sends them back out into the storm. Jesus actually responds to their cry. I think that this passage it's, can be read and maybe even can be preached in a way that's actually destructive. I think that it's easy to internalize this as, you know, well, Jesus can calm the storms in your life too if you've just got enough faith. This is destructive. This absolutely does not demonstrate the grace that Jesus shows to his followers. I mean, it, it sounds good. It sounds kind of pious. And it has the extra added benefit of putting the entire focus of this back on me and how I'm doing as if my Christian journey and, and the amount of my faith is really what this whole thing hinges on. But this story is so much bigger than that. This is not a fable. This is not a metaphor about the storms in my own life. This is a historical account of something that happened. This is a story of a bunch of dudes in a boat who thought they were about to die. So it isn't about... Jesus calming the storms in my heart. It is about Jesus showing that he is God. It is about Jesus showing his power over his creation. And so it's no wonder that when they see the power of God over his creation, the disciples look at one another and say, what kind of man is this? 
It's difficult for me to imagine that the disciples in this boat, having gone from storms and surge to clear skies and a calm sea, would look at one another and say, wow, Jesus really calms the storms in my heart too. No, they were looking at one another and they were saying, this guy yelled at the weather and it ran away. And so they say to themselves, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? You can imagine them saying, we should probably stick pretty close to this guy, huh? We should probably follow follow this guy wherever he's going. It's good to read this passage in light of our passage last week about the cost of discipleship. Jesus talking to those two disciples about what it really takes to follow him. Because following Jesus did lead these disciples into a storm. But when we see who Jesus is and what he can do, it helps us understand why people should follow him despite this cost. Because he is the creator and sustainer of everything. Because he is the rescuer and the life preserver. Because although it's not explicitly stated here, the implicit question from Jesus when his disciples cry out, Lord, save us, we're dying, is why do you think you're about to die? You're with me. Don't you know that I am life? And yet, because these disciples are little faiths, like many of us are at times, we get to see God's grace in meeting his people where they are. Because Jesus a human being, and also the God of the universe, is kind and gracious to his followers, even to his little faiths. Jesus calms this storm out of compassion for his followers because they don't have enough faith to ride it out. If you think about it logically, they cry out to Jesus because they're afraid. Jesus sees that they have relatively little faith, that they don't really or fully appreciate who he is, who he has been showing himself to be. And this is the pattern throughout all of the Gospels, or at least the three synoptic ones, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The disciples, over the course of the book, will start to see who Jesus is. They'll slowly realize in a progression that he's more than just a really good rabbi and a teacher, that he's more than just a prophet, that he's more than just a healer, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Lord's promised deliverer, that he is the Son of God. In the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it always happens about halfway through the book. And so in Matthew, we're in chapter 8, but this won't happen until chapter 16. So the disciples just aren't there yet. At least they don't seem to be. I mean, they call him Lord, but do they really, really know who he is? If you were in a boat with God himself, and there was an earthquake on the sea, and the waves started tearing at the boat, but you were in the boat with God, how would you react? I don't know how I would. Would I be scared? Would we know that everything was going to be okay because we were literally in the boat with God or would I be, would I be a little faith? It'd be like if you were in an airplane when, when the turbulence kicks up and the plane starts tilting and shaking and you're almost upside down at one point but then the captain comes on and he says in that calm captain voice, uh, folks, we're getting a little bit of wind up here. But uh, it's nothing I haven't seen before, and I promise you we're going to be fine. If you've ever been in a plane that starts shaking because of turbulence, it's always so reassuring when they come on with that calm captain voice. I'm not sure if they have to be trained to do that. But, but you picture if, if the disciples were on that plane, they'd be running up and down the aisles trying to grab all the oxygen masks for themselves and seeing how many life jackets they can put on at once. 
And the captain comes back on and he's like, guys, I told you, it's going to be fine. It, it's sort of like that, except that's actually a really incomplete example because here in our, in, our, in our Matthew story, it's not just the captain of an airplane, it's somebody who invented the idea of an airplane and air and wind because the captain is literally God. But then we get to see how God is gracious to his followers. We get to see how Jesus is gracious to his disciples. Maybe they should have known better, like we should know better. But does Jesus give them a lesson? Does he, does he lash them to the deck and say, you can sit here and, and just ride it out? No, he says to them, why, why don't you believe? Why do you have such small faith? In effect, he's saying, do you really think that this is going to kill me? Do you not yet know who I am and what I am here for? So no, Jesus didn't calm the storm to reward them for their faith. He calmed the storm because he knew they didn't have enough faith to ride it out. Because they didn't have enough faith in him to be in the storm and know that it would be fine because God himself was with them. And so when Jesus stands up and with a word of silence, with a word, silences the wind and the waves, the disciples are just left to gawk at one another. What kind of man is this? His actions prove who he is, which is the very thing that the disciples needed to know for sure. What kind of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Because there is only one answer to that question. All throughout the Bible, who gets to control the weather? God gets to control the weather. Throughout the Bible, God controls the weather because he made the weather. In Genesis 1, the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters, keeping it, guarding it, exercising authority over it. Later in Genesis, God makes it rain for 40 days, and then he has the rain dry up, and humanity is saved. God causes the Red Sea to part, and his people are saved out of slavery. God causes the Jordan River to part, and his people are brought into their promised home. He causes a drought in the time of Elijah. God is the only one who can cause the weather to happen over and over again. And when the prophet Jonah, and if you know this story, you might see some parallels, when the prophet Jonah disobeyed God and did the exact opposite of what God told him to do, God caused a massive storm to come on a sea that threatened to kill everyone on the boat. And eventually, Jonah volunteered to get himself thrown overboard so that everybody else might be saved. Truly, Jesus is the greater Jonah. God gets to control the weather. God speaks a word, and his creation bends itself to his will. Verse 26 Jesus rebukes the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Jesus speaks a word, and his creation bends itself to his will. It is no wonder that his disciples did not yet have a category for what kind of man this Jesus is. And there is nothing that this Jesus cannot do. There is nothing that is beyond his ability, and yet he chooses to spend his time with his people. And each one of us, all of us, are little faiths at some point. And we come to him with this faith that is thin and weak and he is gracious to us and he meets us where we are. You sometimes hear the expression that God never gives us more than we can handle. It's absolutely not true. God all the time gives us more than we can handle on our own to show us the limits of our own abilities and to drive us back to him. We know that following Jesus can mean going into a storm. But we cannot expect that our faith in him means that he will calm the storm. What we can expect is that our faith in him means that he will be there with us during the storm. 
I know there are people in this room who have gone through something and they would say, there is absolutely no way that I was strong enough to handle that. It doesn't make any sense. That should have been way more than I can handle. And the only explanation is that God is with us and he gives us the faith and the strength to withstand the storm. I mean, those times when God actually chases the weather away, praise God. But those times when the storm comes and we can still rest like Jesus rested in the boat because we know that God has got us. Praise God for that as well. The cost of following Christ is that while we are following him, we will likely be led into a storm. But the assurance of following Christ is that he is always with us in those storms, even with his little faiths, which is all of us at some point. Let's pray.